You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. So anyway, we're in a series right now that we're doing called The Rise and Fall of a Nation. Today we're in the book of Ruth. All right, yeah, Ruth. Now listen, I don't know what you're expecting today from Ruth, but um, I told my daughter, it's like most people think it's like a Taylor Swift remix of Love Story. I think that's what they think about Ruth. It's like a Hallmark movie. That is not what I'm going to be preaching about today. You can get that from this, and it's a great story, but that's not what I'm going to do today. The reality is that Naomi, I'm going to talk about Ruth, but Naomi is the mother-in-law of Ruth. And the reality is this lady had a bad go, man. She had some difficult seasons. And I don't know if you've ever been through some difficult stuff before, but, man, I have. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure if you're watching right now, you've been through some difficult things. We all have. But she had some difficult things, man. She, she had left Israel, um, or, or the region she was in, with, with her husband. They left with their two sons. They went to Moab because Israel was in a, in a famine. They had a very difficult thing that happened there. And this was during, by the way, Ruth is carrying over from the period of the judges. This is in the same time period. We don't know exactly who all was judging at the time. You could probably guess, but there, there's different time periods here. But this is during the same time period of judges. So it's carrying over. Just don't read your Bible like you do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in order. That's not the way the Bible's put together. The Bible is not put together in order like like a dictionary. It's put together kind of like a it's a, like a topography map. There's multiple layers on top of each other. So Ruth is actually coincides with Judges. It's in the same time period, and actually this is about 20 years. So probably after Joshua's died, it's not very long after. But they leave. They go to the place of Moab because Israel's in a mess. And when they get there, after a period of time, Naomi's husband dies. Now she's there, and her two sons have married off. They've married Moabite women. Now, you may think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, these people serve false gods and all these different things. And over a period of time, her sons die. So now her husband's dead, her two boys are dead, and all she's got is these two daughter-in-laws who are, you know, Moabite women who have served false gods. And I guess they were probably following them for a while. I don't know. They're following the Lord. But what she gets to the point is, is it's time to go back home because she has nothing left in Moab. Now, why did she go there to begin with? And I'm going to get to this in a moment, but if you think about something, why did she leave the place she was in and go to Moab with her husband and her kids? Because it was in a mess. The, the people of Israel had rebelled against God so many times in the book of Judges. There were so many things and issues happening. Where they lived was a famine. It was a wreck. So they had to go somewhere else to live to get food and water and shelter. So she finally gets the idea that I'm going back home. I've heard that God has blessed my land again. I'm going to leave where I'm at in Moab, and I'm going back home. And she tells her daughter-in-laws, you guys need to go back, and you just stay over here with your, your, your people. I'm going back over here. That's the kind of conversation that she had. But in the process, one of her daughter-in-laws, uh, Ruth, is like, no, I'm going with you. But the other one, Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, I think that's how you say it, she decides, okay, I'll listen to you. I'll go back to where I'm from. Now, I'm going to get into that in just a moment, but that gives you a backdrop. So she's going back home now, and I'm going to pick up right here in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 20. She gets back to her hometown and where she's from, and it would be in Bethlehem. And today in, in our culture, it's modern-day Bethlehem is where they were from. But she says this in Ruth chapter 1 verse 20. <clears throat> she says, don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life, my life very bitter for me. The word Mara is the same word you remember in Exodus where the waters of Mara that were turned bitter. Moses had to do this little miracle there, turn the waters from the bitter to the sweet. 
This is the same word here. She said, the Lord has made my life bitter. And I went away, verse 21, full, but the Lord has brought me back home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Now, I want to show you something on the screen just so you can see this on this map real quick so you can see how far in distance is. Israel's not a very big place. It's a very small place. You can get a day and get all over the whole, the whole place here. But I don't know if you can see, but Bethlehem's on the left. Moab is over there to the right. The Dead Sea is in the middle, even though it, 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 it the Dead Sea is white. It should be blue, but because of the color of the map and the location, the Dead Sea is actually white. They would have had to have gone north around the Dead Sea or south around the Dead Sea to get to Moab and back. And that looks like a long time, but it's 57 miles approximately, give or take. It's one to six hours to get there, depending on how you go. If you if you were just to go straight across, you'd get there in about an hour or two. But because of the issues today, it takes you about five to six hours to get there today because of all the roadblocks and Palestinian territories and all that. But in their day, it would have been seven to ten days to travel. It's about the distance from here to Atlanta. Not a long way. But they moved there, and in the place they were at, this place that's here is there's a river. You can't read it, but it's called the Arnon River, and it would have been a very lush area, okay? But they went there, and now they're going back from there. And I'm showing you this because she's saying things like, God has made my life bitter. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. And I think to myself when I read this, I don't know what you get, but I think about this, and I think, well, Wow. It's like those contracts at the end of your insurance policies that says, we cover this, 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 and accept all acts of God. Like, he gets blamed for everything. You know what? He gets blamed for tornadoes, frozen water pipes. He gets blamed for the destruction, the hurricanes, and everything. He gets blamed for it all. And, and she's doing the same thing that we do sometimes. And I, I don't want you to, as we're going through this, all of us at times, we question God. But blaming him for things that go wrong in our lives is not going to help the situation. The reason that they had pain in their life was the rebellion of Israel, not because of God. They rebelled and rejected God. And because of Israel doing this, listen, the land spit them out. The land rejected them. Their enemies came in and captured them. And over time, through all these things that happened, it may not be fair, but they all paid the price for it. Have you ever been with a group of people and you didn't do the wrong, but you paid the price for it? It's called guilty by what? Y'all been there too, hadn't you? The Bible says it like this. Bad company will corrupt good. That's why you don't let your kids hang out with people that are doing crazy stuff. It's what your mom and daddy used to tell you. Well, if they jumped off a cliff, would you jump off too? That's that whole silly thing we've heard all of our lives. That's what that means. It may not be fair, but it's true. When Achan sinned and he took the holy things of God and he hid it under his tent, was it not true that all of Israel paid the price when they went into the next battle after Jericho? I'm telling you, it may not be right. You may not think it's fair, but I've seen it spiritually. If you're connected to people, I have seen this happen, man. We'll have an issue in church and go, what's wrong? What's wrong? wrong?" You start digging around long enough, you find out something going on in a home. If it's connected to somebody, it affects the whole lot because we are a family. Whether you like it or not, whether you're watching at home right now, you're in this room, you're listening by radio. If this is your family, you're connected. And you can't hide stuff and go your own way and expect it not to. A father cannot sin. You cannot lie, cheat, and steal and think it will not affect your kids. It will. 
the Lord tells us he does not overlook the gift. He will put it on to the third and the fourth generation. Not that he's doing it, but he will permit that stuff to go until somebody says enough is enough. So you all understand what I'm saying this morning. All right. So we know this is true. Sin affects families. It may not be fair, but God is just. Galatians 6, 7 says it this way. Basically, look, God, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. We know this, right? Now, that can be positive or negative. If You can sow good things and reap a great harvest. You can sow negative things and reap a negative harvest. But regardless of your situation, listen to me this morning. God is our hope. He's not our obstacle. Never look at God as your problem. Look at him as your hope. If you're going through difficulty, the last person you want to check out on is God. And he's the one you need to run to. The Lord is our strong tower. We run to him and the righteous are safe. You don't run from God when you're in trouble. You run to him when you're in trouble. So I'm going to share with you this morning a couple of theological misbeliefs, okay? I'm going to give these to you. And I'm going to skip around. I'm going to, I'm going to quote you some scripture, but I'm not going to read all of it because it takes, it takes too much of my, my time. You've got to write this down and go read it for yourself. But I'm going to give you some theological misbeliefs, and I'm going to start with this first one. This is that this is a first theological misbelief that a lot of Christians I hear over time is this, that God is with us. You think, well, how is that a misbelief? Because a lot of people don't believe it. They don't believe God's with them. They think that when problems come, they think the Lord has deserted them. But that's not true. God is with us. Even in the midst of trials, God is there. Now, I don't like, I'm going to just take a minute here, but I don't like the whole sovereignty of God excuse theology that Christians give all the time. I'm not a big fan on it. I understand what sovereignty means. I understand that, and I could get into that. I'm not going to have time today. But to me, if you say things like this, if you say, if you have a belief that says, well, my car broke down, and my dog died, and, you know, my cat left, and, you know, I can't pay my bills, they cut the water off, that's not the sovereignty of God. That's like a bad country song. That is not the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? But people say stuff like this all the time. Well, I guess it was the Lord's will is why I got COVID. That's ridiculous. I guess it was the Lord's will is why this bad stuff happened to me. I lost my job. I guess it's just God's sovereignty. No, that's ridiculous. If you believe that, then when bad things happen to you, why do you pray for them to change? If you really believed in the sovereignty of God that everything that happens to you, even though it might be negative, is somehow God's master plan, then why even pray? Well, it must be God's will. Then accept it. Rejoice in it. My car ran off the road. Four flat tires, man, it was God's will. Then don't change them. Keep your flat tires. Does it not make sense? How foolish would it be to go against the arm of God if you believe he's the one that flattened your tires? You're fighting against the wrong guy. But that's a theological misbelief. Sovereignty, yes, it means this Adonai, the Lord God, Elohim. And you see in these new translations, sovereignty, it really means Adonai, the Lord God, Elohim. And what he means is this. It means the Lord God who's empathetic to you in a magistrative order. He's above all in government, yes. And he cares about you in the order of things, yes. But when he says, to, when you talk about sovereignty, it doesn't mean you just accept everything comes along or he wouldn't tell you to pray about anything. You're praying to ask God to intervene for your behalf. And then also, trials do not determine faithfulness. Just because you go through something doesn't mean you're a super Christian. There's some people think because they go through issues in life, they think, you know, well, I must be, boy, God's really using me. No, he's not. He's probably working through you in some way, but that don't mean you're superhuman, super Christian man or woman. No, you're just dealing with junk like everybody else. I mean, Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 
the rain falls on the just and the unjust. First Peter 5, he says, listen, remember your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of junk you're going through. Don't take it as like some mark of the badge, like, oh, I must be doing something right. The devil's after me. No, 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 no. You're just dealing with life. That's all that is. So in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two, you can read all this. I'm not going to read all this for you, but in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two, Paul gives us his diary about all his problems. Listen to some of this. He says in verse 22, am I a Hebrew? Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not recreationally, just so you understand the culture we're in today. What that meant was not what it means today. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a night and a day in the deep. I've traveled to many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and robbers. Did I need to keep going? I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, from the Gentiles. And this is one I love. And I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long. He's going on and on and on. Listen, he gets down to the bottom. Finally, he sums it up and says, look, verse 29. Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? In other words, he's saying, look, I've been through it all. And I get a little tired of hearing about how you got a flat tire and you decided to check out on God. You get what he's saying, right? It's called cultural Christianity. That's what it's called. It's called because, you know, they quit following me and now I'm mad at God. It's because, you know, I didn't get that thing I wanted to buy. They sold that one before I got it and somehow God didn't bless me. And so now I'm just not going to serve God for a while. That's ridiculous. Paul said, who is led astray? And I don't burn with anger. Have you been shipwrecked, left for dead, beaten like that? I've gone through all this and I'm still serving him. You know, it's like, I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Paul. He's still, he's still jamming, right? But you, you know, sometimes I just, people get ahead and they quit God. God didn't come through. They didn't get the house they wanted. They just, oh, I guess God ain't with us. You don't sin for six months. Like what? What kind of fickle Christianity is this? The only thing that makes sense is that we as clergy somehow expressed it to people was it was more about you than it was about him. That's the only explanation we have in America right now. So Paul says, until you go through what I've gone through, man, I don't want to hear it. Funny thing is, Naomi, Naomi told Ruth and Orpah to go back to Moab. Ruth decides to go with her. Orpah goes back. Now, I don't know if Naomi was embarrassed about them. They were more about women. They were not, you know what I'm saying? They were serving false gods. Maybe she was embarrassed. I don't know. Well, either way, whatever it was, one was persuaded to follow her. She saw something in her. Even though she was bitter and all torp with God, she went with her. The other one went back to what was familiar. Do you know how many times it is that when, if you're following God, if, if you can't serve Christ faithfully, and I'm just going to say it, and I don't mean it like if you're a guest hanging out with us today or whatever else you're watching online first time, I'm not picking it. I'm just being real. If you're here, this is your church kind of thing, whatever. But like we call it C&E Christians. You know what that is? Christmas and Easter. That is not Christianity. That is just hanging out. Orpah goes back because, you know what, it's easier. How, how many times in the Bible have you read about where they could go back? Egypt, they wanted to go back. They went over the Jordan, oh, I want to go back. 
We go to the promised land. I got to go back. We got beat at AI. They killed us. We got to go back. They always want to go back because it's easier to go back. You know that's true. If you're a Christian, it's easier to go back. It'd be easier to not have to deal with half the stuff we deal with as a Christian. But if you're going to follow Christ, I'm going to tell you, the cross is not in partnership with the Easter Bunny. And Santa Claus is not a part of the Magi team. Jesus is 365, 24-7. He's not a Christmas and Easter social club. It's, it's all year long, baby. Second theological misbelief, and I'm going to go through this and kind of quick for you. Sacrifice is not a suggestion. It's just, we've already been through enough Old Testament right now. You've seen enough, they've killed more animals. I mean, Peta would have been blowing the gasket by now. They have sacrificed more junk in the Old Testament right now. There is blood everywhere. Animals gone everywhere. I mean, you don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm going to make this theological misbelief very clear right now. I'm going to talk about works for about two minutes. In Ephesians 2, this settles this. It should not be difficult for us to understand. Ephesians 2, 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. So you're saved by grace through faith. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Watch this. Salvation is a re- not a reward for the good things we've done. Can we all agree on that? It's not, it's not, salvation is not a reward for good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Now, that's it. Period. Next sentence. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. We're saved. So we can do, the, everybody say it, good things. Let's say it one more time. Good things or good works, some translations say, that he planned for us long ago. Listen, I'm going to say a couple things this morning and we'll move on for this. There are works that we do as Christians. And if I have no works, I would question my Christianity. Yes, I said it. I understand it makes people mad, but I don't care. If I have no works behind me as a believer... If all I got is the teacher that says, I love Jesus, and there's not a thing different about me, then I would question my salvation. If after all the blood of Jesus has been shed for me, and there is not anything different in my life than it was before I came to Christ, there is a problem somewhere. It needs to be something broken off in my life. I need to get rid of some junk, either A or B, or I'm not saved, period. Because the cross of Christ, it does something to you. I don't know how you, I don't know, what, maybe it's different for me. But when I came to Jesus, everything changed. I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes, and I got issues. That's my wife. But I am different. I am not the same today. James says it this way. Somebody's going to argue with Pastor Jody and say, some people have faith and others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you have, do not have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Christianity should permeate our life. Not, I'm not talking about just my behavior here. I'm talking about my actions. When people say things, I've been around this long enough now, I've heard it all, I think. People say to me, it's too difficult, Pastor Jody, it's too hard. I don't have time. You don't know what it's like to be me. Listen, what then were we saved from? And those beliefs right there, you'll regret them later on in life. I've watched it time and time again with people tell me things that they can't do because it's too difficult. But it, you'll regret those beliefs. The Bible tells us too many times of what we read at this point about sacrifice, offerings of animals, grains, gifts, etc., etc. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to challenge all of us right now. I'm going to say this and I'm moving on. 
But if your finances are never challenged by God, but only MasterCard, then he's not really your master. Yep, I said it. I did. It's time to ask some serious questions. If you say to me right now, Pastor Jody, we're having a worship night in a couple of days, I mean, a couple in, next week at the end of the month, and you say to me, that's just too hard. Now, I'm not talking about if you can't make, if you need to be at home, you need to be at home. I'm not talking about trying to make you get here. I'm saying if you can be here and it's not an issue, and you say, well, it's too hard for me, it's too difficult, I have a long day, I understand it's a sacrifice. I get it. But other people went before you and sacrificed before you. There's a whole team of people that put in hours before we ever get here so as we can worship God. Those people went long before we did. It is a sacrifice. If you say it's too hard to get my kids to youth group on a Sunday night because I want to sit home and watch another, but I get it. I understand it's a sacrifice. It's fuel cost. I understand, but I'm telling you it's worth the sacrifice. If you say things to me like, well, prayer is just too hard. Volunteering is too difficult. Serving other people is too hard. Witnessing is too difficult. I'm just telling you, these are all disciplines of faith that we've been called to. We didn't get to choose any of this. We are called to this. Do you realize right now, I'm going to say this, and then, and then you do what you want to with it. In our church, and I'm saying not guests, not visitors, you belong here, this is your church. 30% or less carry the whole church in this church. Out of 100% of people who call this their home, church, 30% carry the bills, 49% carry the ministry, out of 100% who say their ministries. We do more, we spend more money on pet food, on apps at the app store, than we do on the missions of God. Period. It's a fact. I don't know what you want to do with that. But I'll challenge you with this again. If you have no works, you need to examine your faith. And if that makes you upset, just keep reading the book of Ruth like a Hallmark card and you'll be just fine. <laughs> Hebrews 10.35 says this. I'm going to skip down to verse 38, guys, so we can get through this. But Hebrews 10.38 says, And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns back. But we're not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are faithful people whose souls will be saved. It means we're going to move forward and not backwards. I don't care what comes down the line from this COVID mess and the government thing and anything else next. I don't care what's coming next. Here's one thing I know. I have been on the other side of the boat. I've been on the other side of the tracks. You know what I mean? We're without God. I know what it's like over there. And I know what it's like over here. I prefer this any day of the week. I don't care what comes down the road. For the future, I'm going with him. I'm not going back. I don't care what they offer. I don't care if they take away my tax deduction. I don't care if they close down the churches. I don't care if they say you can't meet. I don't care if they tell you what. I don't care. I'm going to stay with God because he's the one that's brought me this far, not anybody else. But I'm telling you, there's going to be some people, you hear me, they're going to go back because it is cultural Christianity for them. It is only if the coffee is hot and you got the right creamer will I be there. It's only if, man, you know what, and I'm not picking if you're at home because you medically need to stay home, you understand that. But I'm saying right now, it's those who say, I just can't take my teenager to school, but you can drive them to every little thing at the mall in downtown Rome and drop them off for the police officers to watch them, but you can't bring them to church on Sunday night. I'm sorry. Enough's enough with that. Excuses need to stop. I just, I'd never heard so much in all of my life from people. And I realized, no, it's not real. That's why. It's Ruth makes it happen. Orpah goes back to what's easy. Which one are we? The last thing I want to say this morning, the last theological misbelief is this. Is that honor is rewarded. 
There's too many people today believe that this is not true. That honor is not rewarded. Let me tell you right now, especially if you are younger. Honor will pay you back in the long term. If you honor your mama and your daddy, the Lord said it will go well with you. Well, you don't know how they're, they won't give me this. I Don't worry about that right now. You can respect them and honor them in the process. Respect and honor will pay you back in dividends by God in ways that some little toy or some little trinket will not. Honor your parents. Let me give it to you this way. 1 Timothy 5.1 says, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own daddy. Talk to a younger man as you would to your own brother. Treat older woman, women as you would your mama. And in Georgia, we say mama as your mother, if you pronounce it real pretty. Fellas, can I talk to all the men right now? Can everybody in the house that's a man, if you're watching, can you look at me right now? If you're a man, if you have testosterone, can you just look at me for a moment? Men, treat younger ladies with all purity as you would your own sisters. If we'd have had this going on, there would have never been a Me Too, a Hollywood director issue, or nothing else going on. It's called honor. Take care of any widow who really has no one else to care for them. Honor people. Just respect, dignity, honor. That's works. Even when I don't feel like it, that's works. I wrap up with this last thought. Because it's just eye-opening me this week. I went to the doctor this week as follow-up and different things and, you know, whatever. It's a great week. Love going to the doctors. God bless you guys. Thank God for all you guys in the medical field. But I swear I'd rather have coffee with you than meet you at your place. You know what I mean? But I'm in there, and I had to wait like an hour, maybe hour and 15. It was a long, long wait. And But they worked me in. I needed to, I needed to make sure I just needed to get some stuff done, and, and I wanted to get going again. I'm, like, driving myself crazy because of they said, hey, thanks for being patient. They're training some new people. They're learning. And I said, no problem. And uh, they said, well, really, thanks for understanding. I mean, some people don't. You know, and I thought, man, I've been on the other side where I didn't. And when they said it, I thought, you know what? It's Friday. This has obviously been a rough day for them. And they said, no, seriously. I mean, we've, we've, this has been bad today. I said, you know what? I said, hey, look, it's Friday. I'm going to make it good for you. I'm here just to get checked out. Like, I just want you to make sure I'm doing good. That's all I care about. But listen, y'all get the weekend. It's going to be okay. And they've been messing with me about, well, you're getting older kind of thing. You know, it was the eye daughter. You're getting older kind of thing. You know, checking your eyes, whatever else, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, listen, don't mess with me about that getting older mess. And so the lady forgot to do a little test. She was two two years older than me. And so when she came back in there, I gave it right back to her. They said, why didn't you do this test? And I said, because she's older. That's what's happening. Age is getting to her. That's what she was telling me. So they just started laughing and just like relaxing. And I said, hey, man, listen. I'm not worried about being here. Thank y'all for taking care of me. Y'all doing a great job. I appreciate you. Just love on them. Why? Because I've been on the other side where I didn't always do that. My wife tells me all the time, just be nice. It's, it's easier. It's not easier. It's better. But it's not easier. So let me share the last thing with you, and I'm wrapping up, okay? How you influence your family right now, it matters. They are watching you. You're not going to believe this until you read this this week. 
But do you know who Boaz, the guy in the story who Ruth marries, that you've read all about the romantic side of Ruth, it's like, oh, it's just, it's just, it's every woman's dream is to have a Boaz in their life, you know. But do you know who he is? Do you know whose son he is? When you go back and read about Boaz, his mama is Rahab, the prostitute not the prophet, like I said last week. She's the prostitute who saved her whole family out of Jericho and did something of influence to this young man, Boaz, who grew up under the influence of the people of Israel and in such honor, honors a foreigner, a Moabite woman named Ruth who comes to the fields. And she doesn't push around her name or anything like that. But he watches how she works and she's very respectful and he honors her as a foreigner. Can I ask you right now? How do you talk about foreigners? In our culture, we call them immigrants. We might say different words because whatever's politically correct today, we don't know. How do you talk about that? What goes through your mind? What are you saying around your family? This man honored people. Now watch what happens next. Ruth 4.17 says this. After they were married, this is Ruth and Boaz. They get married. It's the love story. Now it's everything's, you know, there's a wedding, there's cake. It's all happy, happy, happy. Now they're having babies and all this kind of stuff, right? They get the first grandbaby. Ruth chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, the neighborhood women said, now at last Naomi has a son again, referring to her grandchild. And they named him, watch this, Obed. Watch carefully. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the grandfather of David. And you know where that lineage goes later. Matthew 5, you ought to read about all of them because it gets right down to Jesus Christ. Honoring people will always pay you back. You can never go wrong with honoring people. Don't ever forget that. Respect the people in the drive-thru. Respect the people that get your order wrong. Tell them it's okay. Can I just get another one, please? That keeps people from spitting in your food. All that kind of stuff. Be respectful. I worked in drive-thru. I know what it's like. It's a pain in the rear to deal with people that are mad. It's crazy. It's hectic. It's awful. You don't get paid anything. You get burnt by grease. People are mad. They throw ketchup at you. It's crazy what you get dealt with. Just be nice. Respect people. Respect, yes, even your government leaders. Respect their... Many of them are good people. They're in a difficult situation. But if anything we could do right now and sacrifice and respect people, let's respect people in the medical community right now. These people are killing it for us. Just show them some respect and honor because they are stressed. Never overlook what you do for others and how you treat them. So this morning, I'm going to pray for you this morning. And I just want to challenge you all. I mean this with all my heart. I gave you the stats. I'm not worried. I mean, like, if I just made 70% of you mad, I'm sorry, but, you know, it, it, what am I do? I mean, I'm just, I, there's the stats. It is what it is. And uh, I'm just not going to have a headache over things that, that if people don't want to roll, that's fine. But I want to challenge you this morning. If your faith is in Christ, there should be some kind of, there, back here somewhere, there should be some evidence that there's something showing up different. Not the same as everybody else in town. Like, if you go in there and you're going to be mad and mean at the medical people, I mean, look, don't go in there with your Jesus stuff on. 
If you're going to be mad at the doctor, don't go in with Jesus loves me, your cross and all that. Tra- go in there with like, get you like an I heart Satan shirt. That way at least you reflect the thing that they believe. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, right? You get, don't go in there flaunting Jesus. If you're going to be upset and angry and mad, just go in there and tell them I'm on the highway to hell, baby. Like just make them believe that. Don't give them the wrong ideas. So this morning, let me pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you challenge every one of us today. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. I just believe, God, you gave me this to to share. Lord, I know it's totally different from what most people talk about in Ruth. But God, I pray today that you would shake us from our casual and cultural Christianity, that we would go before you, Lord, and our faith would become real again and not just something that we have grown up around. But, Lord, we would be like Boaz and be transformed so much that the lineage of our family, Lord, would affect multitudes of generations. I pray today that you would do that. And I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray they come to Christ today. So if you're here in this room, you're watching online right now, I want to pray for you with your eyes closed and just for a moment, just in reverence to Christ. You say, I've never received Jesus, Pastor Jody. And what you said to me, you're kind of messing with my mind. You challenged me with some things. And I I hear what you're saying. I think I love Jesus. I, I, I think I'm a Christian, but I don't. I just don't know about all the work stuff. I'm, I, I don't know if I believe some of that. It's not about what you believe. It's about what he has said is the truth. It is surrender. And if you are having hard times surrendering to God, you need to pray this prayer today. Just repeat this after me. The whole church here is going to pray at home. You can pray alongside with us right now. Just say, dear Jesus, I come today and I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me, and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive you as my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you right now. Give me a hand, would you, church? So cool. Hey, listen, before we go today, man, I always want to speak this blessing over your life. This is in Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24, it says this, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, make gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Man, God bless you so much. We love you guys. Y'all have a great, great day, great week, and we'll see you next week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.